You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. You know, lately, over the last uh, month or two, I've had a lot of requests from people on Facebook and email and other places. To They're new to the show. We seem to be picking up a lot of new listeners, which is exciting. I mean, we certainly love our regulars, and, and um, it, it's nice to see new people getting involved with the show and enjoying it. And a lot of them have asked me, uh, what my background is because I answer questions about, you know, mechanical stuff and numbers and accounting and taxes and business. And so I've had a lot of requests, just what, what is my background? So I've once in a while I'll run through it. So I'm third generation owner operator. Uh, my grandfather was an owner operator literally when the seats were wooden benches and these aren't, you know, stories. This is the way it was. And a trip across the country, and my grandfather's actually uh, leased to one of the moving companies, a trip to the West Coast from the East Coast back then was measured in weeks, not hours or days. It was weeks. There were no interstates. So uh, my father was an owner-operator on and off, never very successful at it. Unfortunately, my father was a fantastic mechanic. And I learned so much from him mechanically. He just wasn't very good at business and, and he wanted to own trucks. He just didn't really know how to run a business. And he would buy a truck and run it till he was out of money and he'd go get a company job somewhere, um, mostly union and, and went back and forth. But I learned a lot from him about trucking. And I bought my first truck when I was 22 and by the time I was 28, about six years later, I had 11 trucks. I had a brokerage. I was brokering some freight. I had a uh, service truck that was running around doing uh, mostly washes and lubes and some light repairs, mostly on our trucks. But we also contracted out other work as well. Yeah, and I ran that business uh, for a couple years, but I really did I, I just didn't have a clue how to run a business. Really, I didn't. I, I was I had a lot of ambition. Uh, I, I worked hard. I put in a lot of hours, but I, I was really going nowhere. In fact, by the time it, it kind of ended, uh, when I had 11 trucks in the brokerage and the uh, service truck, I mean, well over a million dollars that year, probably closer to two. And I was broke. I, I was worse than broke. I was 60 or $70,000 in debt if I counted taxes and credit cards and everything. And yeah, I kept buying trucks thinking that was the answer. Well, if I don't have enough money, buy another truck. And I was really going backwards. And that was when it, it dawned on me that I had to do something different. Doing what I was doing wasn't working. So that was when I really started studying business and leadership and goal setting and, and all of the personal development stuff because I knew I needed something. I needed to do something different. And 
I ultimately ended up getting rid of the brokerage, the service truck, and nine of eight of the 11 trucks. Um, I kept two. Uh, my brother kept one. It, well, so actually, I really got rid of uh, nine of the 11. I kept two and eventually ended up adding a third truck and ran three trucks at FedEx for years and years. But all of the stuff that I learned while I was turning that business around, and I did turn it around. And, you know, the other thing is it got so bad that I did have to go see a couple attorneys and I considered bankruptcy. It seemed like so much money. I didn't think there was any way out. And I was considering bankruptcy. So I I saw a couple attorneys and they basically recommended that I should just file the bankruptcy. They said, you're not going to get out of this. You're too far in the hole. File the bankruptcy, start over. And I thought about it a long time, and I was learning some things myself, and I crunched some numbers, and I said, you know what? I can get out of this. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take me several years. In fact, it, it I had it scheduled for four, and it ended up taking me about four and a half to get rid of all the debt. But I kept the business going. I didn't file bankruptcy and I paid everything back. And that was just a good feeling. And I learned a lot from that. But at the same time, with everything I learned about turning my own business around, I figured out the most important thing that I was doing wrong or wasn't doing. And the the thing that turned it around was the accounting side of it understanding the numbers, having a profit and loss statement so that I could make better business decisions. That's how I turned this around, by the numbers. And I was so convinced that that was the way to run a business, and it really is, that I started doing it for some of my friends too. I started doing their accounting. And then I had so much demand for it, I started a business and and was doing accounting for literally a couple thousand owner-operators. And uh, ran that business for years, learned a lot, tremendous amount of information, uh, being able to work with that many owner operators and see all the different operations and see all the different numbers. It was really where I learned a lot about all the different segments in trucking and reading financial reports and helping people run the business. And then in 2007, uh, when I got the chance to do the radio show, I sold the accounting company. So since 2007, we've really been focused on the show and the tribe and developing our products and developing our services and helping owner-operators succeed. So if you're new to the show, if you're wondering what my background is, that's it in a nutshell. Uh, Coming up on, let's see, I bought my first truck in, I think it was late 86. So... You know, we're not far from 30 years that I've been messing with trucks and working with trucks and helping owner operators run their business. Let's uh, let's see. Let's get to a phone call before I've got to get to a break. Let's start off in Idaho. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, I was just curious. I'm looking for an idea on how to get more life out of my uh trailer tires i got a 48 foot spread axle and i've only got on this last set i got 127,000. i think it was 726 miles before i changed it out and, and what's happening is the scrub they're 
scrubbing it at an angle, and I just change them out in a set. But I'm, I'm kind of uh, leaning towards maybe an, a lift axle, or I wonder if uh, just making a super single, if that would help that problem with the turning radius of the spread. You know, it, it, it will a little. Uh, the, the wide singles actually turn easier than a set of duals, and... and the quickest example of this, if you ever get a chance to grab a couple of converter dollies for doubles, one with duels and one with wide singles, you will be amazed at how much easier it is to handle the dolly with the wide singles. Turns easy, rolls easy. That's a possibility. I, I think I would go with the lift axle first, though, and, and maybe even both. Okay. Uh, ultimately, you might want to end up with both, but the lift axle will certainly help a lot. And it's pretty inexpensive. Okay. Can any trailer be converted to a lift axle, or does it re- matter on the side of the airbags or anything? Well, anything can be. It's just a matter of, you know, okay. there are some where it might not be quite as cost-effective or it might be a little more in-depth. But, yeah, anything could be converted. Okay. I'll look into that. I got to unload in Salt Lake. I'll swing by a trailer shop down there and, Okay, that's what I'll do. Hey, I was wanting to say one more thing. You got those guys that are on you saying you need to learn more about uh, the emissions and all that crap. Yeah, I think what they're I think what they're looking for is kind of like a show. Did you ever listen to the Car Talk with Click and Clack, the Tappa Brothers on NPR? Yeah, love that show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what they're looking for is the show well, kind of like that. And, well, uh, and, and you know. we've, we've tossed <laughs> around some ideas of, of doing a show like that and bringing in some of the top mechanics. So, you know, Bruce Mallinson and Mike Beckett and other people we've worked with over the years and have them be a part of the show and consultants. And we would dig deeper to try to solve problems. I think that's a great idea. The problem is, I've yeah. looked all over the country, nobody is fixing these trucks. So I, we could do the no. show all we wanted, but we would be in the same boat. I would still be taking these calls and saying, oh, sorry, we don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, I have a story about that, and I'll talk to you about it right around the corner. So don't go away. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothenberg. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The phone number, 8888-ROAD-DOG. All right, so, you know, I've said many times that every day I come down, I have all kinds of messages. Uh, People ask me all kinds of questions online. I wish I could answer them all. I just can't. There's no way. I literally get dozens or more a day, and I can't possibly keep up with them all. 
But many of those are about new trucks. People will write me these long emails. They've had all these problems. I, I feel so bad. They take all the time to write down all this history. It's been in this shop for this. They did this and this and this and this came out. This happened. went back in this shop. And these emails just go on and on and on. And I read them. And, and I'm sad because people put in all that work and ask me to help. And there's nothing I can do. They just... It's so frustrating. So two two examples from this week. One was a Facebook post and one is somebody I'm working with to try to help. Uh, the Facebook post, I saw somebody who had a ProStar with a Max Force engine and it has been a nightmare. In and out of the shop, nonstop, can't get it fixed. Fuel mileage is horrible. Maintenance is killing him. Tons of downtime. But yet he went out and bought a 2015 Coronado uh, with full emissions. And I know that his thought process is that, you know, he had an international and a Max Force and now he has a Detroit and it's going to be better in a Freightliner. But it's not. Maybe it will be. I mean, I can't say for sure it's going to be just as bad, but the odds are too high, way too high. You've experienced this one time. You know how bad it can be. I'm surprised you would go back for another full emission truck. I I hope it works out. I I hope you get one of the good ones. Um, The other one was a case that I was helping somebody. And this is worst case scenario. This is what I talk about with too much risk. This was an owner operator who had an old pre-emission truck, 1.6 million miles decided to go buy a new truck and didn't really need to only runs California a couple times a year could easily just skip it, but ordered a new truck Freightliner with a DD 15. And it has been a nightmare. And we went through the numbers and, and this is the part that just drives me crazy. Here's somebody who was doing all the right stuff. They had the pre-emission truck. They had all the modifications on it, getting great fuel economy, low maintenance cost, had all their numbers done every month. And they went out and bought a new truck and everything went downhill. So they asked me if I would help. So I, I was digging through some numbers and it turns out that this year, even though the revenue is up, over last year. It's not up a lot. It's up a couple cents, three or four, I think, but it's up. Revenue is higher per mile than it was last year, but the net, the income, the bottom line, 38 cents a mile less this year because of this new truck. And we went through and identified every place that is causing it. Obviously as a truck payment. Now he didn't have one before that was taking, I don't know, 10 or 11 cents. I don't remember for sure on all the numbers. So a truck payment, that made a big difference. Insurance went way up. That made a big difference. Maintenance costs have been insane. On his pre-emission truck, he was at eight, about eight and a half cents a mile. On this new truck, he's at 28 cents a mile. I mean, just horrible numbers. And fuel mileage went down. So between truck payment, insurance, maintenance cost, and fuel mileage, 38 cents a mile less. He's doing the exact same job and he's getting paid 38 cents a mile less. That is sickening. 
that that could happen just because of a truck. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's head off to Nebraska. Jimmy, welcome to the program. Kevin, Jimmy the Chunk Man checking in. Hey, haven't heard from you in a while. What's up today? About six months. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been on the um, been on an introspection tour. Got it. Um, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Uh, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know that kind of stuff. Well, you know, I, I've studied uh, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and and what that tells me is when somebody starts thinking a little more existentially like that, starts to think about, you know, what they want to do with their life and and those kind of things. That tells me that they've probably done a pretty good job of taking care of all their needs and wants because really until we take care of our needs and wants, it's hard to think about those other things. And that's part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So yeah, it sounds like, you know, life was going pretty good. The money things handled and, and now you start thinking, okay, what else is there? Yeah. So I got, uh, I got more sleeping bags and more motorcycles than I really need. <laughs> So, I'm not, <laughs> that's right i'm not too worried more pickup trucks i'm not too worried about all that that's right um so i i had this plan of you know going from 10 trucks with my leasing company and keep rolling them over and reinvesting and working 16 hours a day seven days a week and um and hiring some people and and leasing some uh space and all that and building a mineral monster and, and going for, you know, 200 trucks by the time I'm 60. And I've done all the math and I've done all the progressions and I've done, uh, you know, all of the flow charts and Venn diagrams and all this kind of stuff. And I'm completely convinced that I could do it. You know, I, Tony Robbins thinks I can do it. Dave uh, Ramsey thinks I can do it. Kevin Rutherford thinks I can do it. Absolutely. You know. Walk away at the end of 10 years, you know, 10, 20 million dollars, you know, stashed. Yep. Um, so the question is, should I sell 10 years of my life for 10 million bucks walking away money and then retire? Or should I just kind of, you know, snap together a few trucks, flip a couple of motorcycles, you know, go to some car auctions, eBay some stuff, and do enough to exceed my uh, exceed my needs and then uh, go snowboarding. There you go. Now, very, very tough call. And I'll tell you why that I know this is a tough call because I have a lot of these same thoughts even the timelines and the numbers are kind of similar. You know, I'm, I'll be, uh, what, 52 next year. Uh, so I've got eight plus years till I'm 60. So I was kind of looking at that same timeline. You know, the, the company's growing well. Uh, by the time eight years rolls around, this will probably be, I mean, if we stick to the schedule we're on and, and our plans, we'd be able to sell it for maybe $10 million in eight years. And I mean, it, at that point you, you have, I mean, I, I would never want anything. I mean, $10 million. Now, obviously 
you'd have some expenses and I have partners and things like that. But I, I would walk away with quite a bit of money, more than I would ever need. And every now and then I start thinking, you know, I, I could retire right now. I could, the business could stay running. I mean, it, we've kind of gotten it to the point where it doesn't absolutely need me anymore. And, and I, if I took just one year and really worked at it, I could make it so the business wouldn't need me at all. I could retire. The business will throw off enough money that I could go do whatever I wanted. And that's pretty tempting some days. And, you know, on those days when everything just isn't working very well and it's just too much work and things are going wrong. And those are the days where I think, you know what, I I could just hang it up right now, retire, go, you know, do a bed and breakfast or, or something else that isn't nearly as much work, go goof off. It, but I just don't think I can do it. Um, you know, I, I, I think on the bad days that I could, on the good days I don't want to. And, and honestly, I, I know. That, yeah, I know. And, and, and then there are days, and I know this sounds crazy, and this isn't like me. I, I really don't do what I do for anybody else. I do what I do for me. Um, I'm glad that it benefits other people. But then there are days where I have this thought that, I just wouldn't feel right walking away from the industry right now. Well, I don't. I think you got to have something to do. I don't think you can drop out completely. So, uh, in Atlas Shrugs, a lot of the producers um, all dropped into. Uh, they dropped out of society and all dropped into Colorado. Yeah, Galt, Galt Gorge. They were doing, but that's the, right. But on a much smaller scale, and they still retain their purpose, right? But they didn't have to go around feeding a bunch of uh, looters and moochers. Yeah, you know that that's uh, that's not a bad idea. Hey, I hear the music. Hold that thought. Uh, I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about this some more. We'll be right back. Stick around. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888 Road Dog. We're going to go back to Nebraska. Jimmy, you still with me? I'm still here, Kevin. You know, I, I think we're seeing a trend in business that instead of everybody, you know, the goal being this huge business that just keeps growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger just to get bigger. I think you're seeing more entrepreneurs who are designing their business to be the way they want it to be, to be the size that brings in the amount of money that they like 
and gives them a purpose and keeps them busy. And, and I can see myself doing more of that, you know, not, not quitting, not selling out, not retiring, but maybe just kind of customizing my time more and, and still running the business, but maybe just keep making the business better, but it doesn't necessarily have to get bigger. Yeah, like uh, what like what Tony was talking about. You know, you start the business, you 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 make the money, and then you plan your exit strategy. Um, I'm just like kind of turning the flame down and just going, you know, working on one truck at a time, you know, and fi- and finding the right home for the truck, you know, and then teaching these guys. Like I've been in contact with a couple of my prize students this week, uh, JJ and Sackawack, you know. And one of them's over there at Landstar. He's using Huey G's old truck. That thing's still going. Pre-emission truck, right? He he called and, me um, yesterday. Yeah. Dollar ninety-three all miles. His expenses are less than a buck a mile. Knocking out a hundred thousand miles, taking two months off, and he, and he's clearing over ninety thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. That, when I when I first started talking to that guy, he was a company driver. Didn't know how he was going to break the cycle. Yep. Yeah. And now the other, the other it, guy, JJ, he, he's driving old blue, and uh, he's on a pretty sweet deal over at Dart on a mileage contract. He's making sick money, and he's at nine point eight miles to the gallon. Wow. Wow. Yeah. For it, the it, year. For the year. Not for a day. Not for a microsecond right. on an instant scan reach. For the, the year. The year. Real gallons, real miles. Yeah. That That is amazing. That truck's got like a million, a million, three, million, four on it right now. Right. Yeah. It, and let's think, okay. of, let, let's think about that, too, because, you know, let's talk about that truck. It's got a million four close to it. But what is the worst thing? I mean, and I don't mean it burning to the ground or getting in an accident, but mechanically, what is the worst thing that could happen to that truck? We could lose an you engine, get, right? You get enough, you get excessive blow by. Yeah. So that you got to yeah. justify a rebuild or you put a piston through the side wall of the block. Yeah. Let's say we put a, a, a rod through the block. So what? Thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars. Yank a motor out there, throw another one in, or just go buy another truck like it. Except you've got so much into that one. I would yank the motor out, throw another motor in it, and be on down the road in a couple days. Problem solved. I could buy that truck at the auction for twelve thousand dollars, right? And we can bolt a lot of stuff on from old blue onto the other truck. Yep, and that that's that's worst case. Now, the, the, when you go worst buy a $140,000 new truck, worst case is much, much worse than that. Worst case with the new truck you is it, it keeps breaking down. You it for a million miles, <laughs> and it might be worth $20,000 after a million miles, yeah. right? So it, it costs you 120000 for a million. That's 12 cents a mile if the thing functions. If it right? functions, but if it's spending you know thirty days, ninety days a year at the shop with tow truck bills and everything else, now did you pay cash or did you throw it on the finance card? You know, yeah. finance uh, plan. Yeah, right. So now you so, got some of these trucks. These old pre-emission trucks are operating. The truck is operating for less than the finance charge on these new trucks. Yep that that is a true statement and. 
You know, I, I people still give me such a hard time about the new truck thing. They, they keep sending me messages. Kevin, you got to stop bashing the new trucks. Just learn how to fix them. Learn how to work with them. I have one. It's not a problem. I know there are people out there that have new trucks that aren't a problem. But there are far too many new trucks that are a problem, and they're a big problem with no solution. Okay, uh, Dave Ramsey doesn't know a lot about the trucking business, but he knows a lot about business. And when I got a chance to talk to him over there in Nashville, um, he was blown away the amount of money that these guys are shelling out on the financing for, for these trucks. Yeah. And his, his immediate response was, save up and pay cash for the cheapest truck you can get, run until the wheels fall off, and meanwhile, start putting your money in the cookie jar to get your next one. Isn't, isn't it funny that somebody who knows nothing about trucking but understands business, still came up with the same answer. Yeah, if you can't, if you can't write a check for it, you can't afford it. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't totally agree with Dave Ramsey on some things. A lot of his stuff, hands down, great stuff, can't beat it. Um, I, I'm not quite so rigid about not ever borrowing money. In the right situation, I'll borrow money to expand the business, and and I'll do it, you know, with some risk, but controlling that risk. But I understand you you can't criticize his method. You could never go wrong using his method. Nothing will ever go wrong if you just save and do everything with cash. The worst that you could say is, well, it might take you a little longer to, to accomplish things. So what? Yeah, what's the rush? I told you before the best time to borrow money when you when you're convinced and you're sure hundred uh, percent that you're never going to pay it back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, like the day yeah. before, the doctor says you got seventeen days to live. Yeah, yeah. That then it then it makes sense. Hey, great talking to you again. Uh, don't be such a stranger. Uh, keep us informed and uh, work on those. Uh, you know, I don't want to call it retirement plans. We need a new word. I don't want to retire, but I want to change. We'll have to come up with something. Let's see. Uh, let's head to Toronto. Inder, welcome to the program. Hey, Inder. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, uh, Kevin, how you doing? Doing good. What can I help you with today? Um, I've got a couple of oil analysis that I wanted you to look over. All right, let's take a look here. So we've got an N14 Cummins. Right. Uh, 22,000 miles on the engine. Is that on an in-frame? No, that's, uh, it, it's, it's got a, on the first analysis, it had 219,000 kilometers on the rebuild. Oh, okay. And on the second one, um, it's supposed to be at 253 right now. 253, okay. And... Is it about 23,000 miles on the oil? It's 20, uh, no, that's, that's kilometers. So oh, kilometers. I do my, okay. uh, my oil, my, I do my oil changes every 15,000 miles. Got it. Okay. So who did the in-frame on this truck? I actually bought this truck off of, uh, a guy in, uh, March and it was done by, it was done, uh, by like, like a no name guy. Well, he needs a name because he did a beautiful job. 
because this oh, in, really? oh yeah this you know and that's the the great thing about an oil sample we can not only can we tell what condition the oil is in but it also tells me a lot about how well the engine runs and this one is tuned just about perfectly i mean there there is nothing in this uh, the fuel dilution i know they flagged it at a level 1 but it's really not it, it's 2.2 that is like right. nothing. That's zero in today's world. Uh, the soot is at point right on. one, and that means we're uh-huh. we're getting a good burn. Uh, we're burning okay. all the fuel in the combustion chamber, and that means the engine is tuned right. It's breathing right. It's timed right. You know, fuel flow is good. Uh, we have no the the base is hardly dropping at all. Uh, no oxidation mm-hmm. or nitration. No wear metals to speak of. I mean, it, it's it, it just a really clean sample, and it tells me that the guy did a great job doing that in frame. That's music to my ears. Um, the only um, oil that I do add is I've got a couple of leaks on the side that I need to that I need to address. So I'm 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 guessing that I only add oil because of that leak. Um, but. That's that's what 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 causes fuel dilution? Like I know there's a bunch of things, but what would be something that I would address? Uh, there's two it, it, on this. Nothing. I, I don't even want you to think okay. that there's any fuel dilution here because there's none. Okay. But if there were okay. ever to be fuel dilution, the two big the injectors are ninety percent of the time when we see fuel dilution, it's bad injectors. Now it could be okay. the injector body itself is bad and it is streaming the fuel. Or the O-rings could be bad, and we're getting fuel around. Um, And then the other thing that can cause fuel dilution is a fuel pump, but that seems to be only about 10% of the time. Okay. Well, uh, I appreciate that a lot. You are welcome. I hear the music. I've got to get to a break. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. So I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's head off to Texas. JW, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. JW, Finney Stacker. I've got a solution for you there uh, with your glider that's got the uh, high soot, uh, 2.58 on the soot. Yeah. Uh, sounds very familiar to the uh, uh, glider. Uh, my friend had, we've been working on the problem since January, uh, and, uh, had, had, had a lot of history with problems ever since it had been to Pittsburgh power in January. So, uh, you're on, you're right on track. Uh, the, the high soot is coming from, uh, a problem in the ECM related to timing, uh, with the help of Tom Bach from OPS. He helped identify the problem also. So, 
Uh, the problem goes back to one line of code in the ECM that's done incorrectly. And the guy that uh, did that is no longer there. So hard telling how many uh, ECMs he fixed there at Pittsburgh Power, but uh, Got it. that's the solution. So he needs to go back to Pittsburgh Power and have a good guy look at every line in there and and that's the problem. I well, also know that's that good news. if he had take a sample of his take a sample of his fuel, his fuel would show black. So it was originally diagnosed uh, with uh, asphaltine, but it's a line, a bad line of code in the ECM is where the problem is. Got it. Well, that's a good that's good news because that's a an easy fix. Well, it's, it's an easy fix if you got the right guy to fix it. Yeah. Like I said, well, yeah. this is almost. This is almost like a computer virus, and I, I I would have somebody looking to see how many ECMs this guy fixed, because every one that he touched has got the wrong co- line of code in it and causing problems. Uh, we chased but, this problem. My buddy, he's down there in Orlando, a uh, load, load of dinosaurs right now. He's probably listening to this call just rolling in his chair, but... It took a long time, and we finally got it fixed. But well, uh, this would take a long yeah, time. I mean, no wonder why we're we're it's, struggling it's, with this because that's a difficult thing to figure out. Well, I got I got some other uh, thoughts and beliefs, but I don't think I should air them on the air. But help me, help me! I'm getting real close on my on my new truck. I'm down to a new Cascadia new truck or a Cascadia glider which one should I go with I know what you're going to say well of course my you do then is what motor am I going to put in my Cascadia glider well why not the most tried and true motor we know of for fuel mileage maintenance costs all those things I mean why would we do anything other than a Detroit well we can go Detroit but it, it can't be a 127 it's got to be uh, 08 or newer why uh, that's the law when it comes to Cascadia gliders. Are you sure? Well, I'm not sure of anything. I'm, I'm working on my fifth salesman, uh, as of Monday. So, okay. Because we'll it, I, I, I can't say a lot yet, but, but I do know that there, there is a possibility and, and it may have already been done. I just, I've been so out of touch on the glider side because we've had so much else going on. But I was talking to several companies who were going to be building Cascadias with 12 sevens. Yeah, that there's an outfit out in uh, Iowa, I believe that's, that's built one. And, uh, it's, it's just easier to get them with a, uh, D deck six, uh, in them. Oh yeah. And, a, uh, no well, question. I, it's easier, but I don't, I don't see the point. I mean, it, at that point, I think I'm just going to, if I were willing to have an 08, I might as well just go all new and be done with it. I, you're taking just as many chances on putting an 08 and building that truck that way. Uh, for me, just, that's just not an option. I, I would build it with a 12.7. Uh, what, what about a funny uh, a funny motor? Uh, uh, I know how to make it a funny motor and make it work. Well, that's a possibility. The problem I have is these stories we're hearing about shops holding these trucks hostage if they don't meet the emission requirements. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not even. I'm not worried about that. Well, then, if it's you're like, not worried about it's that, not, it's an, 
then then if, I could if, certainly if see. Okay, if if that's a non-issue, then yeah, I could see building it with a fourteen liter that's been repaired properly. Yeah, it it has to be a D-Deck six. I don't know what the the difference is. In order for it to plug in properly to the to the cab chassis, it needs to be a D-Deck six and. Uh, I could make a funny motor out of that. Yeah. Now, if you could do that, then I'd be all for it. And if, as long as, you know, you're not worried about it, you know, in the shops, and I can understand as long as we don't take it to those shops, we wouldn't have to worry about it. Uh, but, yeah, building it with a, a modified 14-liter, that'd be a great idea. Yeah, I've, I've got right at 300000 on this micro-blue motor here, and, and uh, not a lick not a lick of problem, uh, you know, for, well, since we made a funny motor out of it in five-plus years. So yeah, good, it's, uh, good. Well, good luck with that uh, uh, that uh, soot problem, but that is solution, and uh, you want to you mark that down because, well, it could be a reoccurring issue. So I am uh, going to follow up on that. I appreciate the heads up, and that would be wonderful that this could be uh, you know what, though? See, there's a there's a problem here because of these three trucks that we're talking about. Yeah, see, this can't be a Pittsburgh power issue. These three trucks were had the problem before they ever went to Pittsburgh power. Two of them have never been to Pittsburgh power. Only one of them has. And it had the fuel mileage problem before it was ever in there. Pittsburgh Power did not do the ECM originally. Pittsburgh Power tried to solve the problem and got it better, but it still wasn't where we expected it to be. But the other two trucks, Pittsburgh Power never touched them. So that, I mean, that may be an issue, and I'm going to follow up on that, but that wasn't the issue with any of these trucks. Let's go to uh, California. Ken, welcome to the program. Well, hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've talked to you several times. I've been in you for a long time, and I do appreciate everything you do. My question is actually, I just want to know if you have any recommendations or know anybody that uh, has a, in a good shop to take their trucks to in Southern California, mainly in the Inland Empire area, because we had just lost our our shop that we take our trucks to. Yeah, that's always a tough time. Um, unfortunately, I don't know of anybody in Southern California. I know Bruce even tried to, you know, put a couple shops out there and it just didn't work out. He couldn't maintain the quality control. So I don't have any recommendations. All right. Well, I figured I'd give it a shot anyway. Um, and if you don't mind, real quickly, did you uh, ever go ahead and start your little uh, deal about the Red McNally versus the Garmin? Because uh, last time we talked, I kept telling you how how well I love the new Red McNally with the new update. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, we have. Um, uh, Red McNally, you know, it's surprising. I have a, a a lot more respect for that company now. I have been bashing them for years. You know, starting back in 08 and 09 when we tested the first one and then later on with an upgrade I had some problems with, and I've been really hard on them. But you know what? Instead of getting defensive about it, they've never once gotten defensive. They've never, like, lashed back. 
They simply get in touch with me. They say, we heard what you said. We understand the problems. We're working on them. And, and they've even come to me and asked for input. So we've been working pretty closely with them. Uh, their new unit is just so much better than the others. Um, I love their features. There's a couple hardware issues that, you know, aren't any big deal. I'm not wild about their hardware, um, but I love their features. The, the new one is much better. And uh, we'll have an announcement in the first quarter of the year, but that's about all I can say. Well, I totally agree with you. I'm glad to hear that because that's how I felt about it, too. And, I, and at the time I had spoke with you, you were just like, ah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So, well, I was Anyways, so. I, I was. My call. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I was so frustrated. And yet they just kept stepping up to the plate. Um, and it was just amazing. And I really, you know, I, I, I just have to give them a lot of credit for just sticking to it, stepping up to the plate, fixing their problems and making the product better and better. I mean, it, it really, that's, that's what I expect companies to do, but very seldom do you see that happen. And especially uh, when I, you know, I bashed them so hard. They could have easily gotten defensive about it. They didn't. They just said, we understand. We'll fix it. Uh, and, and we worked with them on it and uh, it worked great. So we will have some announcements along those lines in the first quarter, but that's about all I can say right now. So the, uh, the clock says I've got to get out of here and I will see you back here tomorrow same time same channel right here on the road dog sirius xm 146 be safe be profitable do the hard work and master the journey good night everyone i'm kevin rutherford For tuning in to the audio road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855 800 Fuel. That's 855 800 3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.